Welcome everybody to another episode of Kev's Perspective. I'm your host Kev Lowe and today I have my guy Ian Price on, okay? Ian is the owner and founder of Make Happiness Clothing, a brand that I've worn on my Instagram. Um, I claim them as my sponsor. We kind of worked that out, which is super cool. And again, he's a passionate cyclist. We talked about, you know, how he cycled in one race, 250 miles. We talk about, you know, his blog, his podcast, and again, why he started the brand Make Happiness and kind of some of his inspirations behind that. So please welcome my guy, Ian Price. Chia. Ian Price. What's good, man? How are you? I'm doing well, brother. How you doing? Uh, sipping on some Peace Coffee, local. Pretty peace, good. Peace Coffee? I've never heard of that. Uh, Minnehaha. They're over by, um, off of Cedar in Minnehaha. Oh, okay. That's sick. It's, uh, is it, so you said it's local. How long has it been around for? Do you know? I just know it's good. It's, like, it's really close to a bike shop that I go to all the time, too, so. Mm, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, again, for for those who don't know, this is Ian Price, uh, aka Make Happiness, is what I'll call him. Because I've mentioned you in the podcast a handful of times. I mentioned you in the Modson podcast. I've mentioned you in a couple other podcasts as well. And since then, um, been trying to get to know you because I, I, I like the brand. When I when I get into a brand, I really really want to dive deep into it. Um, and he's the creator of Make Happiness, and I'll, I'll put that on the screen right here, people. Uh, the the merchandise you see me wear on Instagram and all the other stuff as well. Um, I wanted to quickly talk about that because that, that's basically how I know you. Is kind of getting in tune with your brand. Um, what what's started this? I'm looking on your about page right now, and it just kind of says you liked the phrase. It's kind of a it's a weird start. I don't know. I like going way back, like in high school, I always looked up to Mod and a couple other like, you know, positive, like kind of philosophers and all these things of like your mentality, your reality and all that kind of thing. So um, like I had that going into like, I had that mindset and that personality. And then I was going through breakup and it was, uh, you know, like one of the, the first kind of big breakups of like, you know, when you're younger and you're just like destroyed and you don't want to you know, life doesn't exist. So I was writing about it a lot in my journal. And when I was writing in my journal, I wrote the phrase make happiness. And it basically was talking about like, you are in charge of your happiness, right? If I'm letting this woman who just broke up with me dictate my happiness, like that's, you know, I'm, I'm allowing that to happen. And so that was pretty much how I came up with that phrase. And then over, like, I think that next, or like a few months later that uh that fall or kind of winter maybe it's like december or something but one of my friends got a a vinyl cutter for making stickers um and then i was like hey do you think you could make a couple stickers that say make happiness like i just think this is a cool phrase and like it's you know i i think it'd be cool to put on my snowboard and my water bottle or whatever and then i did that made a few of them handed them out to my brother and a couple friends and then i was in i was in a marketing class and some person sitting next to me was just like, Hey, what's make happiness? Like, that's super cool. Like, do you, is that your brand? Like, what is that? And then instantly in my head, I was just like light bulb. Like I, I was completely lying and talking to him. I was like, yeah, dude, I got a website. I'm working on a bunch of shit right now. All this stuff. And it was like, I had, you know, a handful of stickers at the time, but I was just, you know, so excited. And that, you know, I was just thinking about so many different things I could do with it. So that's kind of how it started. And I've been doing it for like two and a half years now. Honestly, for the short amount of time that you've been doing it, um, I, again, everyone go to the, the makehappiness.com. Uh, the reason why I push people towards it is because not just like 
because I'm a, I have a marketing major, right? So I fell in love with the idea because like when I look at the brand, when I look at the mission statement and you had that, and you, when I look at the core values, you have that, which can I be honest with you, 99% of even local brands don't have that, like, which really bothers me because they could be really cool ideas, but they're not anything until you actually make it into those concepts. I've talked about it in almost every episode, have a mission statement, have core values, and you have that, which is super, super cool. Um, and I really liked it because when I saw it, uh, my girlfriend Amira was was uh, wearing it. And I was like, yo, what is this? Like, this looks like some Mod Sun like, m- merchandise because I love the way it was designed. And she was like, oh, it's my buddy Ian, make happiness. And then she showed me all these different designs, all your like, even with your BLM stuff, um, she showed me that before you released it. And I was like, dude, like this is really effing cool. So I wanted to push the brand because that's really cool and stay driven and enjoy life are two things that are like super sick. So first off, kudos to you for making a sick ass brand. Um, but then, yeah, yeah. But then another thing is that um, I think it's crazy because I always talk about how I met my guests. So just everyone on my podcast, this is the first time I've formally met Ian. Like I know who this man is, but we've also met I think it was like eight years ago. Yeah, uh, you're talking about the time when uh, we both were at the bus stop. <laughs> so there's this thing where Mod, uh, just to let everybody know, Mod had Mod son had this like painting he put uh, out randomly in Bloomington, Minnesota. I'm from Savage, so I was like super close to the area. So I was like, oh, I got this. Like, I, I got to beat all these Bloomington kids there. And he said, I have this painting at this bus stop. Go get it and like send me a picture. And, um, we both went there years ago and I took a picture and I was like, fuck it. Like, I don't know this guy. And you're like, yeah, let's take a picture for whatever. I said, cool. We took a picture together. Eight years later, I meet my girlfriend who knows you. And then it's just like, I fall in love with this brand and it happens to be your brand. So full circle moment was super cool to realize. To like talk about that scenario too, it was raining and it was cold and it was like, you know, really bad like weather output. And then that, that was why Mod put the painting inside of the the bus stop so it didn't get wet. And then uh, I'm in Richfield, so I was just like, oh, I could be there in like ten minutes. Like I saw him just posted. I was like, no one's gonna take it in ten minutes. Like I was just hauling ass there. I was going like fifty like the whole way just trying to get there. And then I saw you were walking up, and I was totally. I just knew I was like, oh, he's looking for the painting too. Like this is rad. But yeah, dude, no, that's exactly that. I was, it was funny because we were both on the road. We were both already driving. And I was like, I saw the post. I was like, Where, I'm going right now. So we had the same idea. That's crazy, man. That's so nuts. I think it's super nuts too because that's how I met Amira. Like we've been to the, every single Modson show together, but never once have me and her actually met. That's which crazy. I, I thought was wild. And I, I, think, I think it's funny because all of this encompasses around Modson. Isn't that nuts? I just find that shit crazy. No, no doubt. I've um, I've been to a few of this concert. Honestly, I haven't been to all of them, but I've been to like whenever he's back in town or if I have like the time off, I'll definitely go see him. Yeah, I mean, like, and he's never back in town anymore. He's he's always doing something now. So it's like, it's super sick. And I when I lived in Bloomington for like a short amount of time, um, like, cause it's only for like, what, two, the last two months. I kind of get why he's so humble. Bloomington's like one of those areas that's just like, how do I explain it? I don't know. It's just very Minnesotan very calm, very suburban, just like nothing to worry about, which I think is like interesting because Savage is kind of a different vibe. Even if you go 10 minutes my road, it's like totally different suburban town. Um, and I'm not sure, are you from Bloomington as well? Like from actually the home stretch? From Bloomington, I actually grew up like just off of France in 84th pretty much. Um, but yeah, and then now I'm living in Richfield, like a little bit like just uh, right on the other side of 62. So super close, but 
it's only like, you know, five, 10 minutes away from Bloomington. Yeah. But. You know, it's funny is I live in Richfield right off of 494 in Penn. Oh, gotcha. No way. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's actually kind of nuts. I wanted to talk about something quick too, before I get into the BLM stuff, because obviously like that's, I know what that's inspired by, but I want to talk about the creation process of that. I also want to talk about this sleeve I'm wearing right now. This has like been your probably hottest item other than this beanie. I mean, what's like been your hottest item as make happiness and like, why do you think people like it so much? I think honestly, the sweatpants sold out. Those were, those were a big hit too, but, um, I'll be honest with you, like the, I'm still learning this too, because I have no idea what I'm doing, which is also kind of like, it's a fun part of the process, but like the materials that I've been, or the, you know, the clothes that I've been buying haven't been the best because it's cheaper and I'm doing this on a really small budget. So I'm just trying to, you know, make some cool designs and get them out there. But now I'm starting to realize it's like, well, you got to pay a little bit more and actually get some quality stuff that's going to last, you know, six, seven years versus, you know, one year. but. Um, I think, yeah, I, I like the, uh, the pink, those sell the long sleeves, the, the lifestyles, and then also the, the sweatpants, those are the two, but those both have issues on the seams that rip. So I'm kind of bummed about that, but I was looking, I'm already trying to buy some different materials and kind of revamp those and do a different design to kind of similar. So, well, I'll give you kudos, bro, because I, as like, I've managed a couple artists and they can't even make their own merch because it's a difficult process if you don't have a good one, right? If you don't know somebody who has a machine or if you don't, whatever, like I looked into the, even like your wholesaler, right? I looked into it. That's pretty expensive because they have minimum orders that are like a couple hundred dollars. And then at that point, you got to do the math of what am I going to sell this for? And dude, you're selling these for stupid cheap. I know when these, this shirt I'm wearing came out for $25, but now it's eight seventy five. So it's like, and I understand why you're doing it. You're just like, let's get them out. I'm going to revamp them. But I mean, that to me is still crazy that in general, you told me you're like, I don't make much off of these at all. I wanted to ask you that as a business person, I asked that, that was the first question I had from Amir. I was like, why would he make something that he's not going to make a lot of money from? And people ask me that too. I think, honestly, I don't look at it as like a business. You know, that's not my approach to it. My approach is like, I, I like what this is about and I want to share it with as many people as I can. So if it's cheaper more people are going to buy it, more people can wear it, more people can get to it. That's also why every order I hang or I give out some free stickers as well. You know, stickers aren't free. Those cost money that I got to pay for, but I just love, you know, if I can give people a couple stickers with their order, they'll put it on their water bottle, put it on the laptop, like just those little things that will remind you of like make happiness. It's about, you know, it's about that culture and that, um, I don't know that, that lifestyle of it. Yeah. And that's actually, you're, you're hitting a very niche market. Um, cause again, that, that's my, that's my thing, right. Is sales and marketing. And I'm thinking to myself, like I wanted to be, I wanted you to sponsor me cause I wanted to get you more sales because the only way you're going to make money is in volume based off of your current model. And that's why I'm sitting here. Like I doubt it's really push sales, but like, cause I'm not big. Right. But I want that market to go nuts with it because a, if you look at any other custom clothing brand, even this stuff on retail, like H&M and stuff like that, this is a perfect pricing point for those who want good quality clothing and have like a cool little design, right? The, the stickers thing on the bottle is 100% what I know a lot of people do. A lot of snowboarders, a lot of people who love nature, a lot of people who do that, do that often. I've never been that person, right? But like, I know a ton of people that have. So like, I've just been handing out your stickers and been like, yo, put this on your bottle if you want to. Um, so that's super cool. And I like that. And moving on to, um, you know, black, the Black Lives Matter, you, that, I think you went very, very hard on those designs. You, you were very intricate with them, very meaningful. The, each one has a message. 
I wanted to ask, other than obviously Floyd, what made you want to do this as a white male? Because that is something to consider is you're white. Why would you make yeah. Black Lives Matter stuff? No doubt. And that was, dude, I've been going uh, back and forth with this all summer, honestly, because I really wanted to do something, but I just didn't think it wasn't my time to do it. It wasn't my place. And I feel like as it kind of progressed and, you know, the buzz started to die a little bit in, you know, my immediate white friends, like people stopped caring a couple months later. It's like, okay, no, you gotta, you stay on this thing. It's not just a, it's not just an event, you know, it's like, this is an ongoing process. So that was kind of when I started noticing my other white friends who weren't talking about it as much, I was like, uh, that was kind of a, a moment for me. I was like, all right, let's do something with make happiness and kind of get a fundraiser going to donate and, you know, kind of keep this on the forefront of people's uh, minds. That's also why I wrote that blog as well. That's just titled I'm white because I wanted to, you know, I want to write something that would be uh, kind of thought provoking and relatable to people who are, have gone through maybe similar experiences that I have where I grew up in a white neighborhood. I'd, you know, my parents locked the doors and we'd go into Minneapolis and like, you know, they were just, it was a different, you know, they, I wasn't growing up in a racist environment, but subconsciously I was taught racist things, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That I call that an unconscious bias. A lot of, that's like a popular thing now that people are like just starting to talk about, but I learned that in college when I read a book called unconscious bias or unconscious branding. And when you make a brand, there's a lot of things you do unconsciously. Like, you know what I mean? Like that may favor one market or another. And that's kind of what you're saying, right? You're saying like, you know, my family wasn't racist, which my family wasn't racist either. But I will say that they do, they have racist tendencies and they don't mean it because it's unconscious, right? They, they, they make an accent when they're not supposed to, that's inappropriate. And I'm just like, that's not what you do. You know what I mean? That's, that's very like insensitive. So like you said, locking the doors when you go into Minneapolis, dude. My whole perspective changed when I was like eight or I was younger than eight. I was like seven or six and my mom and I were homeless for a point in time. And this is when I got my first uh, culture shock was when I was in North Minneapolis and I lived in like my car. Me and my mom lived in our car in North Minneapolis. That's when I really learned because I was the only person, only white kid going to that school most of the time. I really was. I was one of the only white kids on my school bus for a while. Um, And I was like six, seven. And then I lived in my car with my mom. And like, that's when I was like, really like when my buddy's like, Hey, come back to my house. You know, their house was nicer than my car. So I'd go and experience that life. That household was so much different. Um, and that's something that like, again, being white, you got to understand that you don't understand, but you can support and be a bystander and be a supporter of, of when that time was going on. Right. Um, and people know I've talked about it with Augie. I didn't react well. Uh, I was upset when the rioting was going on, but that wasn't the right move. I think what you did was make a whole clothing line to to push that movement, to really support that movement, um, you know, is really, really cool, which I, that's why I wanted to talk about it. And people go look at that stuff. He has one called BLFM, Justice and Peace and Make Equality. Which one's your favorite out of those three designs? Make Equality. And I, I thought about um, the Justice and Peace. I wanted to do a little bit different, but instead of uh, no justice, no peace, I wanted to do uh, make peace and make justice because then it kind of aligns with the make happiness. But I mean, Oh, you live and learn, but also want to shout out. So, uh, my buddy Colin Griffin, he actually helped me with the design. He, um, he does a lot of logos and, um, he does a lot of design work. That's kind of like his, um, his career. But, so he, uh, we were kind of spitballing some ideas back and forth. So he helped me kind of come up with those designs. We would, I give, you know, half of the credit to him because it was kind of both of our heads going together. And then he 
um, yeah, it was fun working with him. And he, we were going back and came up with like six or seven designs. I was just like, is it too many? We got to, you know, have like two or three, but it was fun. Yeah, man, those are really cool designs, really intricate, like those a lot. Um, and then another thing about Ian, before we get into other topics, is that you have a very big, big passion, not just for make happiness, but for biking. Now, where did that come from? What age did that start? Because, dude, every day you will post something about biking. You bike almost probably every day, no matter the season. For Halloween, you went biking with a mask on. So what was, like, the, the inspiration behind, like, damn, I love biking? I don't know if it's an inspiration or like a specific moment. I just like when I was a kid growing up in middle school, or elementary school, it's like, I don't have a, I, I want to go, you know, see my friends or whatever. And I'll, I have this, you know, 50 pound like Haro BMX bike or whatever. It's like, it's the transportation, you know, it's how you get to your friend's house. And like, that's what it was. And then um, my big brother, he started to get into BMX a little bit. So he was kind of like, jumping off of curbs and like jumping up curbs and i was just like oh that's really cool i want to be like him i want to be like my big brother so i started trying to do that same thing and then you know it eventually i i saw like maybe it's a, a magazine or a bmx magazine or something so someone was like grinding a handrail or jumping off the stairs and i was just like this is the coolest thing ever i want to do this and then i was you know throughout high school and middle school i was just kind of dedicating to bmx and learning tricks and at that same time I kind of got into a mountain biking a little bit because my dad was super into mountain biking. So um, he made it, my brother and I, it was kind of like our family thing. Every summer we'd go to these races in Minnesota, so these mountain bike races. There's like one every month or something. And um, I was, that was uh, kind of the other, that was what, so BMX biking and then like these mountain bike races that we did. So it wasn't, it was kind of, you know, to a kid, I guess now it's a little bit more um, public, but like now there's uh mountain bike clubs and biking clubs in high school, which is awesome because I didn't have that growing up, but it was kind of the same thing as like basketball or soccer or, you know, lacrosse or football. It's just a, it was a different sport that not as many people knew about, but that was, um, that was kind of the start of it. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, I was just curious cause you, you may, I think you're, you're posing a little bit as like, eh, it's not a big deal. Something I got into but you're so passionate about it. Like you're extremely passionate about it. Like it's everywhere. Like it's on your blogs, it's on your posts, it's on. So I was just like, there has to be a little bit more behind it than I thought, but maybe you just love biking. I mean, I just personally, like I, I know people that love biking, but not as much as like you might, bro. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like they, they claim they love it, but they don't ride every day. They don't work at a bike shop. They don't do these things. So it's like, I was just curious because I thought there was like a little bit more to that, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, we can go. So that was like kind of how, how it got started. But let's say you know, the, I guess the love for it or the, uh, the dedication that I have for it just comes from the, the joy, I think of the freedom of exploring and, um, knowing that I'm doing it all on my own willpower. And then also the, you know, the places that you can go and the, uh, the things that you can see by bike. And I will, uh, my freshman year of high school, I biked to school every day. So every day of the year through the snow, through the rain, I just, I rode my bike every day, no matter what. And it was funny because I had a bus stop, but I was like, I don't want to take the bus. I want to ride my bike. And my parents were just like, why don't, why don't you want to take the bus? It's like, I, I like biking. I don't know. I think it's fun. It's just what I did. And that was another hard part too, honestly, because I would get to school if it was raining and I'd be, you know, my backpack is soaked, my clothes are soaked. And like, I'd show up in this like, you know, smelly, like 
you know, not presentable for a high school kid. And I was just like, whatever, like, this is what I like doing. So I don't care what what I look like or what I smell like. I'm just going to keep doing what I enjoy. And I think you enjoy it so much to the point where I'm looking at your website right now while you're talking. You've biked 241 or 42, basically rounding up miles in this this race. And that's from, let me see, it's from Minnesota to South Dakota. Of the no. dam, the day or the day across Minnesota. Yeah, the day across Minnesota, Hager City, Wisconsin, 241 miles total to Gary, South Dakota. And that to me is, yeah, that is one fucking epic ride, dude. I'm looking at these pictures. I'll put them up here. This is how dedicated you are, man. Like you, you literally biked 241. How long did that take you? That's the thing. That race, actually, you have to finish it in 24 hours. You have to, you have to do it in one day in just like a what? single ride. But bro, what the fuck that, bro? I would be dead. You and you. So you didn't do the. It's 300 in total, or did you just do the 241? I'm confused. 41, or what? Where is the 300? No, that was a different race. Oh, okay. So I'm looking at two different things. Yeah. So the uh, let's talk about the the day across Minnesota though. That one was pretty cool. So, um, yeah, you get 24 hours to finish, and my brother and I, you start at midnight, and we were we're kind of we when we were going into it, we had no idea what we're doing, right? We're just like, I mean, we we did a little bit because like prior to that, we were just kind of you know getting into this long distance stuff. It's just like let's see how far we can go, you know, let's see if we can do 100 miles in a day. And then it was like, okay, we did that. It's like, what's next? We actually tried after we did, I think it was like 120 miles or something. And that was the biggest ride I've ever done. I was just like, that was insane. And then I don't know who came up with the idea, but one of us were just like, can we bike to Duluth and back in a single day? So we wanted to bike from Minneapolis up to Duluth and then back to Minneapolis in a single bike ride. And that was like 340 miles or something. And we made it like two thirds of the way. And then we ended up like just completely destroyed ourselves and we were falling asleep and we couldn't, we couldn't finish. So we had to get a ride. So we called it that one. Like we had to throw in the towel and then it was just like, well, what's next? Like, let's try and like, let's keep going. Let's see if we can do something. I think it's just that constant, you know, challenging yourself and figuring out like what's possible. And, and especially when you don't know if it's possible or not, I think that's more exciting. And then the, the feeling that you get, if you can accomplish it is just like one of the most, over underwhelming feelings in the world it's insane well and the here, here's the thing so you placed 13th and 14th out of 300 but you placed second overall for the riders who challenged unsupported so and what unsupported means people is that ian didn't mention that there's three checkpoints across this way for, and to for like crews to support you with supplies all that good stuff he didn't have that so he just said we're going and you did it in 16 hours out of the 24 I think honestly, like that's another, it's almost easier to do it that way because if you stop and you like, you know, you get to these checkpoints and like you start eating food, you start hanging out, you get a little tired, maybe take a nap. It's like, then that just, that time adds up and it's, you know, the more things you can do when you're on the bike and the more things you can do while you're pedaling, the easier and the, the you know, it's like the turtle in the hair, you know, that kind of thing. You just got to keep going. So, so after that, cause I mean, that's, I'm obviously the whole time I've been posting stuff about that um, on my on my thing here. After the day across Minnesota, before that, did you do anything else that was like like you said Duluth was like the closest thing where you threw in the towel? But did you guys like train for that? Did you guys like other than Duluth? That's not really one go is not training, bro. Like that's like one go, one try. What what kind of training did you do to prepare for that? 
one of the, the biggest ones is just commuting to work. So you commute to work every day of the week. And then that's like over a hundred miles in just, you know, Monday through Friday. And then maybe Saturday or Sunday, we'll go out on a ride with our friends around Minneapolis and have some beers on a lake or something or on a cliff by the river. And then that's another 40 miles just out of, you know, riding around the city or running your errands, getting groceries. It's just about spending time on the bike and getting that, um, I don't know, building up those, that kind of base level. It's just like working out, you know, the more you work out, the easier it gets and the more you can do. It's just about that repetition, basically. Um, yeah, no, that, that makes total sense. And I, I figured that's what it was. I was just like, no, I, I biked a hundred miles a day trying to do this. No, that's, that's intense, man. For, for not a whole lot of training, just commuting. That's, that's intense. Um, and that was like kind of a, a highlight of your life. Right. And I want to talk about the lows of your life because I like talking about being real. And, uh, and I, I think one thing, uh, that I see here right after that post in your blogs, things change. That's life. Um, and the first thing you say is I'm sitting here trying to come up with an explanation. Like I'm supposed to have a reason why I haven't done anything with make happiness in months. What happened? At time, I don't know. I was just like, I go, you know, I, I was like, life is ebbs and flows, right? There's always going to be ups and downs. And, you know, if you're only talking about the highs, I feel like you're, you're not living. It's just like Instagram. If you're only posting, you know, good photos on Instagram, you're not, you're not sharing your life. You're just posting highlights, but I like to show everything. And so I think that one was more or less just me not having inspiration or any sort of ambition to, you know, make some new stuff or write a new blog for it. I was just kind of being stagnant. I wasn't feeling motivated, but everyone goes through those times. And I mean, um, like recently, actually, I haven't been, well, last week I've been getting into it again, but I like to, uh, I like to write on my typewriter and on a journal. And I haven't been doing that for maybe a month or two, just because I haven't been as motivated to write. But like I said, last week, I've been getting really back into it. Now I'm just really excited. And I have a bunch of ideas. I've just been writing every day constantly. So it's just one of those things where, you know, it, it comes in waves, but. Yeah. And that's actually something I was going to mention. I was kind of segueing into that. It seems like you go to your typewriter when you're kind of like either feeling down or you like need some inspiration, right? Or you just need like a pick me up. It's kind of like your, sorry about that. It's kind of like your, um, how do I call it? Um, your music to me, like for me, making music is like my, my therapy that that's the word I was looking for. Um, and so typewriter, that is interesting as well. I mean, you're a very unique dude. So like uh, the, the typewriter, not no one in our, in our generation, probably he's never even touched a typewriter, right? I've touched one once where, where is that back to like, you know, Moss is my inspiration. I'm going to write in a typewriter or what, what made you first? I bought that in a, I bought it from like, I think it was like 50 bucks off of Etsy or something, but back in high school. Cause I remember this is a, I don't, it was, I, I think it was a photo of him sitting up on his roof on the hippie hideout and he had a typewriter and I was just like, this is the coolest thing ever. And he like posted a photo of the piece of paper. And I just love that look of like, you know, the keys and like the ink on it. So it's just like, I want to try writing on that because at this point I've already been writing in my journal. Maybe, you know, I had filled up like two notebooks already. I like writing a lot. It's just another one of my things that I really enjoy. Like you're saying, it's therapeutic. But so when I saw that photo, the typewriter mod using, I was just like, that seems really cool. Like, let's try it. I bought it, started using it. And, you know, a typewriter is crazy because there's no delete button. There's also no number one and there's no exclamation point. So there's like, there's so many little things that you can't do. And like, you can't, you can't erase things. You just got to write it out. And like, you know, you got to be very thoughtful about every letter because there's no back button and it's cool. 
a different way of looking at it when I write. So honestly, that's what I've realized too. Because when I first such a typewriter, I didn't realize like you would have to if you didn't like what you said, you have to like take it out, put it back to where it started, and then just mass spam whatever to cover it up and then continue, which I thought was crazy. Um, and typewriters for me are very interesting, but now it's more like a like a vintage thing. Um, and I like how when, just to let everybody know with Ian's brand as well, when you order, sometimes he'll just throw a little ty- typewritten note in there, which I found to be super fucking cool because it makes them feel like a personal connection to your brand, man. You, you're, you're making a personal connection with your customer. And I know that may take an extra day or two, but I mean, like that's, that's, that's so sick to have that personal touch. And it seems like when you're on your typewriter, you're doing a little bit of drinking. So I'm like, what, is that just to get the creativity going? <laughs> Uh, honestly, I, one of the hard things too that go through is like, I, I, I do a lot of reading as well. I love reading poetry and I love reading short stories and that kind of thing. And, uh, Charles Bukowski was a pretty big inspiration of mine, but he, in a bunch of his, uh, his writings is, uh, and uh, other people too, I think it just comes with, I don't know why it comes with the territory, but for whatever reason, good writers associate, uh, like good poetry with only when they're drinking. And I don't know why, but that's been... You know, it's another, it was just like what's been, I've, what I've read up about. So it's like, okay, well, I need to be drunk to write, but I'm going through a stage too right now. Like this last week, I'm trying to write more when I'm sober and trying to figure out like, can I still write as good if I'm not drinking? You know, I don't, I don't know if I, if, if I've found that yet, but it's, it's, it's weird. I think when you, when you do a little bit more or like when you got a little bit of buzz going, there's just less filters. I think there's less things that you're thinking about. You're a little bit more raw and a little bit more real with yourself. And so when you're sober, you're thinking about so many different things. And I think you try to, you try to sugarcoat stuff or you try to, you know, you mask things a little bit more, but that's just from my own personal experience. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, know that's, that's fair. I mean, that's not uh, not just in poetry either. Um, in music, I have a buddy who needed a bottle of Henny next to him. We would have this little stool, right? So we had this big studio room and then we would have a little stool next to him. He would put his Henny on. And he would freestyle. So like he would be like, I'm only because he was inspired by Lil Wayne, Jay-Z. So what he would do is he would take a big sip and then freestyle. And then he'd say, cut it. We'd cut it. We'd go back to the point that he stopped at, punch him back in. And he would just keep going after each sip. And I realized the more he sipped, the more creative and crazy the words got. So I was like, I think it's just the same thing with like people who smoke weed, right? It's the same thing with like just relaxing, getting loose and letting that creativity flow. And you know what's crazy to me, man, is I uh, I stopped smoking weed uh, over a year ago, and that's how I used to write music consistently, which has been difficult because for me, like that was like my one form of becoming loose and being creative, inspired by mod as well. And then like when I switched to drinking in the studio, it made me more relaxed, so I could like attack the mic differently and like have a different sound. Now when I make music, it feels very restricted because like I'm not used to being sober. I've never once been sober when making a project. So that does give you a different perspective of like, maybe it does give you a sense of creativity, but I think it also gives you a sense of like, you know, humanism when you're sober. Does that make sense? It's just a different approach, right? And like, if you're so used to doing it, to doing it a certain way, it's going to be very hard for you to, you know, look at that same thing when you're not, uh, you know, smoking or when you're not drinking. It's like, uh, same thing when, um, like with people who do really long bike rides, they need to have like a certain protein or a certain drink mix or whatever. And they, they just can't do that same length or that same amount of miles if they don't have that drink. It's like, well, you probably could, it would just be a lot harder and just be a little bit more mental challenging or whatever, but 
So. Same thing with pre-workout when I, when I work out in the gym, um, when I worked out in the gym because of COVID, um, I would go lift and I would have pre-workout and I've realized I would easily breeze through a mile run beforehand, like no problem. It was like record time of like six, seven minutes. I'm a big dude. Me doing a mile in under eight, nine minutes is like pretty impressive for me. And then when I'm like working out, I could lift so much weight easy and like not have to worry about it. Now that I'm out at the gym and now that I don't have pre-workout and I quit pre-workout as well because I'm trying to get off caffeine, it was like the first time going back into the gym without pre-workout, dude, I feel like I was sleeping while working out. Like I was like, why am I not able to do the same thing? So I think like, honestly, I've encouraged a lot of people, if you use supplements in your passions or something that you want to do longevity wise, don't, don't try to be completely sober. Try to master that as well. I think Mod as well, I keep mentioning him because that's kind of the exact transition he had to go through as of pretty recently, right? Over like a year or something ago. I talked to him about that transition in person as well. And he told me it was challenging as fuck. Like, imagine like, you know, you, you have everything, you have everything like given to you, right? You have what you want and then you can be super creative. Like when he released Blue Cheese, right? Like that song completely fucked up for it, right? But then like with his new stuff, like Bones that just came out yesterday, I'm like, dude, what, dude? Like, and he had to completely change and revamp his craft. And I find that to be very impressive. That's like, that's the other part of it too. Like, you know, a lot of, I feel like my writing as well, when I'm sober, I, I write about completely different things than what I write about when I'm drunk, you know, which is also interesting. But I think relationships are a big thing for you to be writing about too. That's the, so love is like the easiest thing to write about because it's the most relatable, right? If you, if you say love, everybody has something they can tie that word with. So that's like, that's the, that's why a lot of, a lot of poetry and a lot of art and a lot of songs are related about breakups or finding love or whatever, because it's the most relatable thing. Yeah, I, I find that to be relatable as well. I, I, a lot of my songs were, I'll, I'll be honest, like a lot of my best songs are breakup songs when I was writing music, um, just because not just it's relatable, but you can twist it in many different ways. And like that's why it's a big topic, like when in hip hop as well. I mean, everyone will be talking about someone, right? Um, and I think that the challenge I have for like my artist, for example, he doesn't talk about people at all. You know, he did, he, with, his name's Bodiz, shout out Bodiz one time. And the thing with him is that he really impressed me because he wrote, about Adderall like it was a woman and he called her Addie and a lot of people do that but he wrote a huge story about her and it was like a real love story that turned into a breakup story and when I like that to me man is like super fucking impressive when like you don't have to talk about love and like you know what I mean if you can like relate it in some other way I think that's really fucking cool a lot of symbolism I love symbolism and metaphors because for me, I like poetry. That's how I started writing music was, you know, just looking at random poetry, no artists in particular. Um, but then like, I think philosophy is really what increased my writing. Have you ever heard of the, uh, the philosopher Osho? I, I haven't read too much of his stuff, but I've heard of it. Yeah. And Osho is a huge philosopher and I have a book called Love, Freedom and Aloneness. And I think for what I've seen you post, man, and what I've seen you kind of like talk about, without knowing you at all, I really feel like this book, Love, Freedom, and Aloneness, and I can loan it to you if you need, because I have it. I think you would love it. It's a pretty short read. It's a really easy philo like philosophical read, and it's very much poetic because it's a lot of symbolism, a lot of metaphors. Um, and it teaches you, basically, it's my Bible. My brother showed this to me. It's how to love yourself and be free from being dependent and love being alone. And if you love being alone, then you can love other people. And that's like the common saying, if you don't love yourself, you can't love somebody else. That, that came from Osho. That came from this man who is like compared to Gandhi. 
Um, definitely, dude, something I would read. And to my listeners, something I'd like live by. Um, if you have trouble, which I think a lot of people in our generation have trouble being alone, because I think personally, it's because we've had the internet. And so we've always had something to depend on. So that too, about being alone. So I'm, my personality is straight, right? I'm a, I like to say like, I'm an extroverted, extroverted introvert. So I get my energy being alone, but I also really like talking to people when it's something that I'm comfortable in or in a space that I feel comfortable in, if that makes sense. Um, but one thing about uh, like going back to the internet and being alone. So yesterday I was actually, I was on a bike ride down by the river and uh, I was at one of my favorite spots and I started, I was having a fire on sundown completely alone. I was just like, it's just what I do. I think it's fun. But I was sitting here at the fire, like I got it going and I was uh, like, I was writing a little bit in my journal and then, I flipped to my phone and I'm like scrolling through Instagram and it's like, there's this amazing, you know, scenery and like picturesque, you know, environment in front of me, but I'm trying to connect with my friends because no one's around me in the present, which is kind of ironic, but. Yeah. And like, sometimes like my first thought would be, let's take a picture for Instagram. Right. But I'm trying to get away from that as well. I'm trying to get away from that thought process of like, do we really need it? Like I'm trying to get off of social media. And the only reason I've told this, I've said this in my podcast, the only reason I'm on social media, man, is because that's the only form of communication our generation will actually listen to actively listen to. You know what I mean? Which I think is super sad. The older I get, I'm only 24, man. But the older I get, I'm like, I really think people need to open their eyes a little bit and be like, look, like, Social media is not going to be around forever. Instagram is going to get phased out just like MySpace got phased out, right? It's going to happen. So why are we depending and putting all of our energy onto one platform? Why, even if we're on TikTok, whatever the fuck it is, why are we putting our energy into that? Why not? For me, I make the podcast because I want to have a legacy. When, when I'm dead, bro, if you find this in 10 years, it'll still be on the internet. You know what I mean? Like I found a way where I don't pay for distribution. So I know it's always going to be on the internet. And that's like why I made music was when I die, I think about mortality every day. I don't know. I want to ask you that. Do you think about mortality a lot? Oh, I mean, I think about it and I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't like sit in like, you know, spend hours about it, but it's like, it's just like, it's, it's a thought, you know, it comes and goes, but yeah, I definitely think about it. And I mean, it, anything could happen, especially like when I'm riding my bike every day and in the winter, it's like, people don't see you. I've gotten hit by cars. Like I, you know, it's a very real thing, but yeah, I try to, I try to not, you know, sit in like constantly, you know, engulf my, my time on it because I don't, I believe in the law of attraction and I don't want to constantly be thinking about, you know, dying basically. Yeah. I mean like that's for me, I also believe in the law of attraction, but I think I spend a lot of time on mortality because I've seen a lot of things just randomly happen. Like I, a kid in my school was shooting a hoop that I used to see every day. One time I didn't see him in the hallway because he was shooting a basket in a game and he just fell over dead. Like that type of shit. When life just takes you, it's like, and you're young, and no matter what age you are, it's like, and that's why I like COVID for me is like pretty scary because it's one of those things where I think it's like, you know, everyone thinks ha- things happen for a reason. I think it's definitely happening for a reason. Um, and I think that is just taking people away from us, right? I think about mortality almost every day. And, I, and not a lot of people know that about me, but like, I don't know why. I couldn't tell you why I do, man. It's just one of those thoughts that cross my mind. Like, how am I going to leave a legacy? I'm not the first to play the drums like I started. I'm not the first to make a podcast. I'm not the first to even make a music podcast or like interview podcast, you know what I mean? But I'm trying to do it in a different way and talk about real topics that like I think are, I think some podcasts I want to get on this topic too are artificial. You have started a podcast as well. I mean, what was your inspiration behind starting yours? Because mine was just to make a legacy and kind of show people inside conversations. 
I want to touch about kind of you thinking about mortality a lot, like that also on the flip side, like it motivates you to, you know, use your time really wisely every day and like actually make the most of it because we don't know when our time is up. So it's like, yeah, why not enjoy ourselves? Why not be the best that we can be? Why not share the things you want to share with the world? It's like, why hold back? Um, but yeah, and then going into my podcast, honestly, there wasn't really a big motivator or like a big, I don't know. I was more or less like one of my friends was like, Hey, you do a lot of blogs, but like people don't read anymore. People do people listen, people don't read. I was just like, yeah, he's right. Like, damn it. Cause like, I love reading, but you know, that's not the, that's not the generation we live in. People like videos. They like listening. They like instantaneous things. They like, they like to do things that doesn't, you know, um, it doesn't take effort of their brain or like time. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how the podcast got started. But, and I see you haven't really kept up with it. Is that because you didn't like podcasting and you just would rather read? Uh, that was part of it. And then also, I don't think the, um, doing a Make Happiness podcast would be the way to go. If anything, my brother and I should do our own podcast about biking. And that's something we've kind of thought about. Um, but yeah, I don't yeah. know. I think the Make Happiness stuff, it's more, and it's hard to, that's the other thing. So it's hard to put Make Happiness in a box as far as like a mission statement of culture and stuff, because make happiness that word or that those two words can mean something totally different to you than it does to me you know i said it was like me being in charge of my own emotions but for you make happiness could be like you know there is there's a a glass half full even in the darkest time or something like you know everyone's got their own reiteration of what those words mean so it's really hard to kind of articulate and like talk about a specific thing that is this because well maybe it isn't that one way to look at it you know yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I thought I was muted. Um, you know, yeah, I, absolutely. I think that for me, mate, when I saw, when I, when I saw make happiness, I mean, the only thing I thought about was like, yeah, the law of attraction is the first thing I thought about personally, cause that's just what I've been into. Um, and I thought about, you know, making your own happiness. I mean, like, cause I think a lot of people need to make that. It's not just going to pop up in front of you. You, I think a big part of life is making it what you want. Right. And that sounds very, I say a lot of simplistic things, but I, I need it to resonate for people because, dude, I know so many people that are constantly sad, constantly depressed. It's not, maybe it's not something they can control, but I also know that it's something that, um, that I think you can change because I used to actually have, I was diagnosed with depression when I was a kid, like 13, 14, um, for like crazy reasons. Like my mom dropped me off and my aunt and uncles one day and never came back type shit. And I didn't know why. And that kind of caused, like, you know, it triggered my depression because you're born with it. Right. Um, and my mom, had depression severely. And so like that stress kind of triggered it. Um, and so for me, I had to make my own happiness and I was reading poetry. I was writing poetry in my room. I would always be in my room because I like didn't have any other purpose. It's like, I don't feel like I'm in a, my family environment. I was living with my aunt and uncle. Like I didn't feel like I was part of family. So then for me, when I saw I make happiness, that kind of reminded me of those days when I was like way, way back as I had to make my own happiness. And back then it was just reading, writing poetry until I found music. So that's, that's honestly, you, you did a good job making a brand that speaks to other people because it spoke to you as well. Um, and I'm really excited for what you, you know, whatever your future endeavors are. And do you think you're going to like try to be more consistent with Make Happiness now? Or like what, I'm just asking because I know that for a while you said you were taking months off and you're in my note you gave me, you said I was losing inspiration. So like what, what triggered the, hey, I kind of want to be more active in it again? It'd be completely transparent. It's like it's it costs money to run the website. It costs money to you know do all these things and have a um like it just it costs money to run these things throughout the whole year. So it's like well I might as well at least try to break even on it. But then I run into these issues and these battles internally because 
I want to do, I want to ride my bike and like, I want to be sponsored athletes and I want to get all these other things. And I want to be an, uh, an author and write a poetry books. And, you know, it takes so much time to do all these different things. And I feel like if I spread myself too thin, then I'm not going to get anywhere with any of them. So I've been trying to dedicate myself to like one of the things and then still do some of it, but not go all in on the others. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. That's why I have a podcast. And like, you know, actually before the podcast, only reason I have this because I had to indulge myself into something in quarantine because otherwise I'm a concert promoter. You know what I mean? Like I gave up music more, more often than not because I used to write every day. I dedicated every morning to writing music. Now I used to dedicate every morning to looking at my emails for for uh, being a concert promoter, looking at my shows, check out ticket sales, like that's my new passion. And then now that industry shut down. Imagine if biking was just shut down. Like that's what I'm going through right now and I, I'm losing my mind. So then I'm like, okay, let's let's talk about something that I can talk about. I love talking to people. I think I'm decent at like doing podcasts because I've been on other podcasts. So I was like, Let's just start a podcast. And honestly, man, not that hard. <laughs> like I, I do everything by myself. But like you said, to be transparent, I don't put out more episodes because I can't turn over like Joe Rogan can. He can turn three quality, three hour, four hour long episodes in three days. Like I can't do that. I don't have a production team. I just had to tell my buddy that yesterday. Like I don't, ha I don't have anything outsourced. Imagine doing it all yourself. The audio, the visuals, editing, transparency, like the like watermarks, everything. So I, I feel exactly what you mean. I sometimes feel like I spread myself too thin, um, you know, when in a post-COVID world. And that's kind of what I want to talk about is let's, because right now it's what getting into December and we're pretty much still in the same spot. Um, Post-COVID, what do you think you're going to do? Because you can bike in COVID. It's not like a concern. So it's like, are you, what's kind of, do you have any plans post-COVID or do you live day by day? And I definitely like, so there's a lot of races I had lined up that I was going to do for biking and those got all canceled this year. So hopefully next year there'll be races that we can do, you know, like depending on how the pandemic goes or whatever, you know, if it dies down in the spring or something, we get a vaccine, but I would definitely, so bigger races and longer races and getting more exposure to biking. Like I said, I want to be a sponsor as an athlete. So that means like getting up on Red Bull or like those kind of like, I want to be, you know, making content or doing things for that on that level, like doing projects or getting, you know, doing those kind of um, like traveling around and going to new places and doing big, big races and that kind of thing. But aside from that, I think I'm just going to keep writing and I would like to do a make happiness event. I actually was going to do that a while ago, like a year and a half ago. I had a set up um, a place called honest, um, honest media. It's in, uh, it's in Minneapolis off of Hennepin, but or no Washington, sorry. The uh, it was going to be kind of like a, a seminar basically. So I would kind of go up and like talk about, you know, kind of what we're doing now, basically my, like my upbringing and what make happiness means to me and like kind of more of like a motivational speech kind of thing. And then it was also going to have, uh, it was in collaboration with one of, one of my friends who's actually really good at drawing and his, uh, his name's Paper Tattoos. So he does like a, he does a really cool drawings of um, different animals and nature kind of scenes with a pen. And he does a lot of dot stuff, which is insane. But um so yeah, we were going to do that. And then it kind of fell through just because of the money and the, like the timing wasn't right and trying to get, cause he didn't live in Minnesota at the time. So just like getting, you know, logistically it didn't work, but um, yeah, that's something I would like to do in the future. Cause I think that would be cool. But Yeah, no, that's, I mean, having seminars is not like a new thing, but doing it what you do. I like how you're like, you're very much focused on local. And I like that a lot. Um, For me, you know, you know, what's crazy too, is that I've actually like completely dropped local. I, I was, I was like, 
when I was a kid, man, I would go to shows and I'd be like, why aren't we working together? Like I, I make music and music is a collaborative effort. Most of the time you can do music solo, but beautiful music is collaborative. Like it's to me, the most beautiful music is orchestra and like jazz and like things that take a lot of people. Right. Um, that's for me thinking local. I love supporting local companies and stuff like that. But I think that I've been trying to be broader because I've seen working in like being a concert promoter, you see outside of the state so much, dude. And there's so much to learn, especially when it comes like what you're doing, right? Like clothing is so different. Like it's, it's everywhere in Cali. It's, it's all these different things. And, uh, and have, I know you think local, but have you, not just the BLM stuff, but the question I'm trying to ask is, what kind of designs are you working on any other designs in particular that's like way far left out there or is it just like you're kind of sticking with what you have you but that's the other hard part it's like i don't want to i don't want to conform to what you know streetwear is you know i don't want to conform to what the scene is already doing because frankly i don't care about that like those aren't the type of clothes that i wear i'm gonna make a design that i really am stoked on and that i'm gonna wear it every day so they're like that's more my mentality going into it but yeah i'm there is a couple of new things I'm looking at. Um, I like to keep it simple and just kind of, you know, easy to read and kind of big and like, you know, I like to like big statement kind of thing. It just more, I like more of that style than, and less of the like really intricate kind of weird designs and the funky stuff, but that's just my personality. Yeah. No. Yeah. I was just, I was just uh, asking because like, again, everyone has like their own kind of ideology when it comes to what they do. Right. Um, and I was just curious. The big thing I was actually curious about was where is it? This whole sleeve I'm wearing right here. I don't even know how you thought of that. You know what I mean? Like for me, I don't like, know. I mean, it's it's all in my journal, dude. I just I just these words are like I write constantly. So I just I have like four years of of notebooks that are just filled with words and like these logs, these catalogs that I have of like I always do the date and the time and like where I was in the day, and I'll just write for a while and then you look back and you read through them over a couple of years and you find a couple of things like oh this is really cool or like i like this paragraph or whatever but yeah the stay driven and enjoy life i thought was perfect for kind of like the um you know like the tagline or whatever it is because it's you know you got to be motivated and you got to actually take action right and so that's the first step to like you know being in charge of your happiness you got to be driven you got to actually want to change and then enjoy life is like the second half so after you kind of make the change it's like okay now you can really enjoy it and really sit back and be happy and like, you know, be excited about life. Yeah. And actually that kind of like when I saw that, uh, well, I call it a mission statement because that's what usually is there. Um, and for me, uh, I related to that because at the same time I found your brand is the same time I quit my corporate job to like go into being, you know, in the music industry. Um, and to me, like that is I, it's hard for me to enjoy it because like you said, to be transparent, everyone worries about money. And I always tell, you know, me and Amir talk about this. We say like money is an object that can always be made back. And like, we can't focus on money every single day, even if you're struggling with it. Right. And people who see me, cause I wear this, they're like, Oh, Kevin's doing so well for himself, bro. No, like I will, I make purchases like that, you know, cause I save up for him because I, I think like that's the enjoy life part for me. I was so driven to be a concert promoter to then the first like, you know, $800 I made, I put into this, you know what I mean? So it was like, I don't know. That's the enjoy life part of it, I think to me. Um, and it's hard to enjoy it though, when you're always kind of struggling. And I think that your, your mission, even for yourself, stay driven to continuously do something for make happiness can be tough because you're like, to be transparent, shit costs money. I mean, dude, I even tried to like start my own Kev's perspective website and that was like a hundred dollars a year. 
And then like, I'm just on Squarespace. And then I was like, my God, like that's just to have a website. And then I look into it and then it's like, oh, what if I want clothing? Well, that's another two, $300 just before printing, before you even get it printed. And like, I don't know anybody that can do printing. So then I have to go outsource printing. So I never actioned on it. Cause like, I know a guy that said, I can do embroidery for you. Right. So think about this people. I get 200 shirts, make the math simple. Each one is going to be $20 a hoodie for embroidering. I just spent $400 to make the shit. I'm not going to get my money back. If I would have to sell at $60 a pop to really start making my money back. And so I'm thinking to myself, like, make happiness. I can't imagine that you make that much money at all. Like, like you said, you just break even at this point. Barely. I'm like, I mean, I'm like, I'm not willing to do that. So I kudos to you because like, I'm just not willing to like spend $400 to not make it back. So I'm a business mindset. Like when I made my Kevlo hats way back when, I think I bought 20 of them for 250 and I sold them for like 15, $20 a pop. Sometimes 25 of people were just really being generous and I barely broke even on that. And that experience was so stressful. So I mean, like even that website that you showed me that was a local brand, they're the cheapest wholesaler I found. Like I encourage anybody, if you want to make any type of clothing, if you don't know anybody that is printing, because that's like going to cut your costs immediately. If you're like, yo, I got a buddy who has a screen printer. You know, that's the best thing. So, and by the way, is that, do you do mainly screen printing or have you thought about doing any like embroidery stuff? Embroidery, but you know, like it goes back to the money thing. It's way more expensive. And like, I will, I'll probably do some embroidery later on. Um, there's a there's a couple a couple things I want to do, but it it just takes time. You know, it's one of those things where it's a process. But I do um, I do want to do something at some point, but it's just uh, it's it's going to be uh, it's later down, maybe next year sometime. Going back to the like spending so much money to get all these clothes and like taking that action, it's like yeah, that's exactly what it is, and I'm not making any money off of it. Like I'm not making profit, you know. And uh, it goes back to what and I think I wrote about in one of my blogs, but it's like just giving, right? So the art, the art of giving, you give more than you give more than you take. It's like, I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm not looking at it as like a dollar amount. It's like, I'm looking at it as like, I want to give you, I want to give this to you because I really believe in this. That's also why I write every customer a little, a little letter, a little note, because like I fully believe in it. And I, you know, it's not about making money. It's about like making happiness, you know? Yeah. And I I like that a lot. And like, again, for, for, uh, for what you do that, that's nuts, man. I just keep thinking that's crazy that you're like so willing to just be like, fuck it. I'll lose a couple hundred bucks. Cause to me at this point, especially during like some people can't even imagine doing that during this time. And I'm glad that you're still being consistent with that. That's really cool. So to, to end this on a positive note, uh, what's next for for Ian price, man, what's, what's in your life? A quick mention, uh, when you're talking about that, uh, going back to like, I don't think of it as losing 200 bucks. I look at it as like, I'm giving them more value. And if that, you know, if I inspire someone to make a drastic change in their life and like, you know, maybe start, start their own thing or, um, you know, change some sort of habit in their life or get inspired to start drawing or whatever the case may be for them to actively like make a change in a passion that they really wanted to do, but they were too afraid or there was something that was holding them back. If I can do that for someone, that means way more than any amount of money that I can spend, you know? No, I, I agree with that. Um, and that, that, like I just said, people who are in my, my, my business do not think that way. <laughs> um, cause we have, we have merch at every show, man. And like we, like CLM has made merch, but we're like holding on to it because we're like, people like it, but it's like, we have to make money from it. And that's kind of like our goal because that goes back into the company. And like it, I, I just think it's nuts. Cause again, like I don't have that concept of like, I'm just going to give like, I don't, I don't think that way, man. Like if I thought to myself, I'm just going to 
like, this is my thought. If I were to do what you did and I make 20 more of these, right? Like if I made 20 more of them and then just started to be like 10 bucks a piece and I make half of my money, even a third of my money back, I would be upset because I've seen, reason why I have a different, I guess, outlook is I've seen people, you know, take advantage of others. I've seen people like take, take things for granted. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's what I feel like a lot of people do. I feel like some people just buy shit and put it in a drawer and never wear it. Like, it's funny because I bought, you know, I bought this for like stupid cheap from you and I wear it all the time because of that value that you provided me, which is like, I think if I did that, maybe, but that's like, you're still taking a chance, man. You know that you're just taking a chance that they're going to appreciate it. Like I, for all I know, like those letters that I write people, they can just get thrown in the trash and people don't even look at them. And like, I mean, that's fine too. Like, I don't really care. Like I said, it's about me doing the best that I can do. And like, I fully believe in what, in what I'm doing. So I'm going to do everything that I can and what I really enjoy. Thank you everybody for all the love you've been showing in Kev's perspective. I hope you guys pick up the gems that are being dropped in these conversations. Please go subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, Kev's Perspective. Again, don't forget that comma. Go to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review on the very bottom. I'd love to hear your feedback. And for any kind of guests you want to hear on the podcast, go follow me on Instagram. It's at Kev's Perspective Podcast. Again, it's at Kev's Perspective Podcast. Thank you for listening and keep supporting. Cheers.